Welcome to the 3B3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. We had a question last episode. All right, let's see if I can properly rephrase this. Um, the situation is the, the uh, NHL entry draft, as we know it, is being abolished, destroyed. Thanos has snapped his fingers and it is gone. What would the league do to replace it to onboard new players? And before we get to an answer, just quick backstory that I'm sure you guys both know. So in, I believe it was 1963, the NHL started the amateur draft uh, where they would um, select uh, 16 and up players as a means of avoiding um, NHL programs sponsoring junior teams or or, um, any junior youth hockey as their uh, feeder systems. And then subsequently in 1980, they replace that system with the draft as we know it today. And I pose this question mainly because I would like to see the league become a little more cyclical where individual teams kind of have more up and downs like we see in the CHL, where there are no 10-year playoff droughts for certain teams. You may miss for a year or two, but then you could expect to be in, you know, three or four years down the road. A rebuild doesn't take five, six years, two GMs, five coaches, or, you know, that's at least what Buffalo aspires to. And an owner in a pear tree. (laughs) And a beer. I was going to go there, but I decided against it. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) All right. So I gave this some thought and I see this going one of two ways. I actually talked to a a friend of mine who is also a hockey blogger. She, uh, very much AHL person rather than NHL. So got a bit of her feedback as well. And, um, her first thought which I had not even considered was so they would just go back, they would do recruiting like colleges do. And I thought about that for a second and I was, I was horrified. (laughs) I was horrified by the idea that NHL teams would actually do like college recruiting type deals. Did you see John Tortorella out there trying to recruit like Seth Jones or something? Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, you know, given the sweaters that he's wearing on the bench these days, I can picture it. But I can't imagine what he would say to a 17-year-old in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, he doesn't even... Out of all of the coaches in the NHL, John Tortorella is most like a... a football coach, American football coach. So that doesn't really like blow my mind that badly, but you know, trying to, trying to wrap your head around, uh, you know, some of these Canadian GMs <laughs> trying to do that. Oh, I, I've just, actually, I don't think it'd be the coach out there. It, it'd probably be the GM. Could you imagine Lou Lamorello? Exactly. Out there trying to sit with somebody. Uh, look, we're going to go this way with a hockey team. 
and, and mean, you're not allowed to sh you're not allowed to have a beard <laughs> which is fine being you a 14 year old boy yeah you can't grow one yet <laughs> i mean that scenario it would bring down the average age of the gm quite a bit because i don't see them on the road you know it's going to take a lot of energy like you know your amateur scouts to kind of do that job so that's interesting so would the they immediate send the, oh, sorry, would they send the would they send the AGMs out though? I mean you think of the scenario like they had in Toronto for a long time where it was Lou and then you know Kyle Dubas with his Game Boy could be sitting in your front. Yeah, yeah, could we'd like we'd like, you know, like totally like you to come to Toronto, Yahe. Yeah, you know, because it'd be really cool out there, Yahe. Yeah, <laughs> dude, 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 I just scored a I just scored a like top level Pokemon. Sweet <laughs> you know. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's just like it's 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 for um, a bunch of guys who who want to kill like fun and and in the NHL and trying to go out and recruit you know seventeen, eighteen year olds to come play for them. <laughs> it's like you can't say anything interesting. You can't have a beard. Um, you're gonna have to dress like everybody else, uh, <laughs> but we'll pay you well. Um, so yeah, that was the one. And then the other one was, uh, what I came up with was, um, basically heavily, uh, amateur scout driven where the, um, the central scouting rankings would come out and then depending on where the team where the NHL team ended the regular season, they would just automatically be assigned the guys down in order. Ooh. So there's no picking. I mean, you could do trades maybe. I haven't really thought that too far out with that, but, but basically it's an automatic thing so that, you know, you have central scouting gives all the rankings one through, you know, 700, however that works. And and then when the teams end at the end of the regular season, they automatically that's who they get. Oh, da! That is that's a full chaos grenade. I know, right? <laughs> that's a full chaos grenade because how many times does central scouting come out with someone you know in the number one slot that's been a bust? I know, you know it's great though because like you just don't know what you're going to end up with i mean they still don't they like to pretend that they do when they're actually oh we're, well you know we talked to our scouts and we talked to like the coaches and we talked to everybody and this is who we think is our best fit well yeah okay let's just throw that all out the window and you get what you get and see what happens <laughs> oh and they would actually for central scouting to put together one list yes instead one of the list. four lists that we see every season Mm -hmm. North American skaters and goalies and European skaters and goalies. Mm-hmm. Oh. Consolidate all of that. And then and then it really comes down to a, a trust exercise. How how much do you trust your uh, your amateur scouts? Oh. <laughs> Just pull the pin and walk away. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> Well, that's the show. Jeez. <laughs> that is fantastic. And we're done. 
All right, good show, everyone. Very nice. Thanks. Okay, next time on the Three Feet Three podcast. Here are my ten subsequent follow-up questions oh, no, based have... on this one idea. I, I do have a I do have a show ending question. If you want, that. <laughs> we can talk about that now. Well, you already had a show stopper. Seriously. Jeez. And here I went like with with like full, you know, mathematical sort of stupid applications of other rules in sports. Cassie just comes in, pulls a pin, lobs it in the room, gives a grin, walks out and goes. <laughs> it's what I do best. OK, <laughs> I mean, let's all let's all reel back to our, our pilot episode. And I just threw that last question. out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> That's true. I so. went with I went with something along the lines of in Formula One, um, they used to have something called the hundred and seven percent rule, and that is, if for qualifying you had to be within a hundred and seven percent of the pole position time to be even on the field to start the race. So if you fell out of that hundred and seven percentile range. Even if you showed up, it doesn't matter. You're not on the grid. You just wasted millions of dollars flying all your equipment there. So I was thinking kind of taking that rule and applying it to the standings is who gets in the lottery. So if you're within a certain, you have to be within a certain percentile or outside of a certain percentile of a playoff qualifying spot to be even considered for the lottery. And if no teams qualify for the lottery, then you just go by order in the way they finished. Because that sort of says you have to at least make an effort. You can't tank, right? You can, there's still a bit of a turtle race, but you can't just completely dive to the bottom. You have to stay within a certain percentile. And if there's only one team that falls outside of it, then you just throw the whole thing away and you go by order. So I went really complicated. And I had like this whole chart of all of these stupid tiebreakers and all this math and everything. And I just, right now in the last five minutes, just crumbled it up and threw it in the trash. <laughs> Sorry for all of your no, 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 chaos reigns. What about you, Pat? What was yours? So I very much went down the recruiting path, but throwing half the CBA out the window with it. So right now, teams are allowed up to 90 players on a reserve list, 50 of which can be under contract. Now, no team's ever eclipsed that 90 number, not even close. I would cut that number down to like 60. So that, you know, outside of players under contract playing for you, you could have 10 amateurs playing in NCAA or, you know, CHL or European League at any given time. And then you modify kind of the ELC contract structure or how long a player must be in service before they receive UFA rights. So mine was very boring and mundane compared to you both. Um, so so let's just discuss this chaos strategy because now <laughs> the wheels are spinning. So my first thought is 
I want to go FIFA style where they do their World Cup draws by just drawing out ping pong balls. That's how I, I want to set the order where everyone's name is thrown into a bucket and you pull it out one by one. You pull out a team name and you pull out a number and that's where you're picking. A reverse lottery where the player. Yeah. Like the highest Fine. ranked player gets the most balls in the bucket. They pull him out and then they pull a team yeah. out of another bucket. Yes. Oh, that's oh. Awesome. That's awesome. I like that. Oh my god. <laughs> that's a chaos grenade launcher. Oh, that's awesome. I like that a lot. Well, see, I, I, I do have to say that the you know, following up on that, which is much more mundane, was uh, um, moving the the or having the draft age at 18, moving the can't play in the NHL until they're 20, but they could play one year in the AHL at 19. That was my other. Or, you know, my my uh, friend who's a um, AHL blogger, which she really liked was all players who are drafted or signed by NHL teams, um, entry-level contracts must play one year in the AHL. I like it. Anything Regardless. That's, anything that strengthens or bridges the gap between the AHL and the NHL, um, I think the talent gap is there, but the anything to bridge the finances, and I think something like that would be excellent. It's not even that so much as as it's, and again, you know, they're going to try to circumvent it because this is the NHL, but um, it, it's more along the lines of trying to prevent GMs from putting guys out there too soon and screwing up their development. I mean, every guy, no matter of his talent level, could use one one year pro before hitting the NHL. And I mean, there's some very few exceptions to that that can actually just step from one to the other. But um, but to have that one year where they're where you're basically saving the GMs from themselves, <laughs> so you're not screwing up every single prospect. <laughs> I think that's that's really the goal there. You'd like to think, but still, you, they'll uh, find ways to screw it up. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, and you just you look at some of the coaches that are in some of these AHL franchises that do a pretty good job of burning kids out. They don't, you know, they've, they're ticks. They, you know, they've just been down in these particular AHL teams for so long. They don't, you know, they've never been up for an NHL job. They've never been really laterally moved. They're just sort of there. Right. And they've never done a great job developing. They do just enough. But it's funny you bring up the one year in the AHL thing again because that goes back to that model I'd written a long time ago about how you determine your uh, what the hell's the word over there um the quality of your drafts over time mm-hmm. and that was taken about an average of one and a half years spent at AHL because on average that's that. I've looked at I've looked at like basically over 25 years and sort of said okay how many games did they play down at the AHL versus the AHL and they you know if you if you take the ping pong call ups when they're still waiver eligible mm-hmm. um and as part of that so I mean you know they could be playing a full season in the AHL and they sort of ping pong for 20 games here and there 
it works out. It worked out to be about a year and a half. So, yeah, I mean, outside of the very rare exceptions like your Connor McDavid's and your Austin Matthews and and some of those ilk, um, most of them do spend about a year to a year and a half down in the A after they after they get out of the CHL, unless they go to college route because that that throws a monkey wrench in the whole thing too. Because by the time they're done with college, generally, unless you're Jack Eichel, you're 19 or 20 or 21 in some cases. Right. But, I mean, <clears throat> so like, for example, uh, Colorado signed the Hobie Baker Award winner this year. Um, Kel, is it Makar? Or, I don't, it's, I don't, it's, it's Makar. It's Isn't Makar? It's, oh, I thought it was spinach Makar. <laughs> It could be spinach. It might be arugula. I mean, once it gets caught in the netting above the glass, it's really hard to tell the difference. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so so you know, he he went from the national championship game into the first round of playoffs, NHL playoffs, and um, you know, seamlessly. But I can't help but think it's like, okay, well, let's see where this guy is at game 40 next year. You know, it's like right now it's just adrenaline and he's just going, going, going and not really thinking about what he's doing. But, you know, after a full preseason and then, you know, he's halfway through the regular season, is he still going to be there? You just don't know. It's like some guys are, he may like fall down a little bit. He may stay where he's at. It's hard to say, but, um, but I mean, you know, I think he's like, he's 20, 21 years old, something like that. He probably could still use a year in the AHL, quite frankly. I mean, right now, I'm sure people look at me like I was a crazy person for saying that. But I'm telling you, halfway through next season, I don't know. May not well, be there. You you tend to see it more with those guys when they come out of, when they come out of college and start the season in the NHL that, that they hit that wall because college seasons tend to be 20, 25 games. I think somewhere right around in there, depending on the league and what or conference and whatever, right. You know, and that's nowhere near obviously the 82 plus um, preseason that these kids go through. But the one thing I did notice with Chris Kreider, I think was the last big one that came out of college and straight into the playoffs. Um, I didn't see a significant drop off from him. And I think it was part and parcel because he was done with college and he got to go through the NHL training camp and the off season regiment as, and get that experience in the playoffs to see what these guys do and then have the coaching and training staff around him and set a program for him. Or as I think when they get drafted, and they have to wait until after they've graduated or whatever fully, you know, until their their NCAA eligibility is is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend not to be able to sit with the team and get the training program and everything in place because it's mostly just physical conditioning. Right. And so I think if Kale's got, you know, however many games left that the abs have in their playoff season, he'll have at that point you know, those 10, 15, 16 games. Um, but he'll have the training staff setting a program for him for the offseason. And he'll be able to come in 
to their facilities and work with them, whereas a lot of those kids in the NCAA uh, 2A can't until they sign a contract. Right. So there may be a little bit of a difference, but yeah, I you know it'll be interesting to see because college, especially with collegiates, you know they just don't play those lengthy seasons. Right. I mean, if we use Colorado as an example again, uh, I guess it would be three seasons ago now. Uh, Tyson Jost, he was a first over first overall pick for the Avs. I think he went tenth overall. He played his first year at uh, UND. Uh, lost somewhere in the NCAA playoffs. Played six games for the Avs. Has an okay showing. And he has struggled to find his, uh, you know, footing in the NHL. He he looks like a decent pro player, but he's not living up to kind of the draft status that we've kind of discussed in past episodes. When you're when you're picked in the top ten of the first round, there are certain expectations. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Makar. Um, I remember kind of his draft year was a year I spent a lot of time. Uh, researching the draft and he was put up there with Miro Heiskanen in Dallas. So here's hoping he can stay on that trajectory. Yeah. So one interesting quirk, I always, I aspire to see the uh, NHL kind of turn the AHL into a uh, under 23 league. If Mm. possible will never happen, but it would be nice to have, kind of that next level of progression of, all right, you finished your junior or some guys are too good for NCAA. So they would come out early. You have a a huge influx of just the best U 23 talent, but then the NHL leaves, you know, two or three roster exemptions for 22 and under players. So that you never end up with a roster that's, you know, uh, a tanking team is just has full of first and second round draft picks that they've acquired in the last, let's say, three years. So they're never going to be bombarded with just being overpowered by older, more veteran teams or more experienced teams. But at the same time, you're much more selective in who you bring up to to the top roster. So I really like that idea. Like I really, really, really like that idea. But <clears throat> the uh, the the fact that NHL teams are often saying, or not teams necessarily, but the media, and it it's just going around that players now, especially forwards, now peak at twenty four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, that right there just kills it. And I, and, and oh. it just boggles my mind because it's like, you think a 24-year-old is as good as it's going to get? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure someone in the PA would throw, you know, labor rights and, you know, uh, you know, preventing players from earning a decent wage at a certain age. You know, they, they would throw every law term they could at me with that idea. But... Somehow European soccer leagues somehow make that work. So I guess it's a a North American thing. It's a I'm impatient. I want my number one pick to play because that makes me look good thing. 
Yeah. But anything that can bring – I said bridge the gap between the AHL and the NHL. And maybe I said that wrong. How about we lift up the AHL and make it a more prominent league, something beyond just, oh, here's that nice developmental league that the NHL uses. Well, let's start reg- uh, Let's start relegations then. Please. Yes. Please. Yes. Let's do that. Let's start relegating these teams that are tire fire. Ottawa, you're relegated. HL, and this see is, ya. And this is how, you know, Gary Bettman or Bill Daly gets their 48-team league. Right. You know? It's perfect. Ottawa, you're relegated. You're done. When you win a championship in the next tier, then you can come back up. Yeah, but then that, how, how does that work when half the NHL teams own the, their AHL team? Do they play against each other? Scrimmage? Yes. Okay, I'm with that. That works for me. It's like you know, baby sends versus the sends. Exactly. Ottawa, you've been sent down. Belleville, you're up. <laughs> but there are... T- hey, them's the rules, kids. Now... The nice thing is you'd be able to call up your players from the A or the NHL to your now NHL team, and you'd probably be a little bit better right out of the gate. You did it to yourselves. Did it to yourselves. Coaches would get AHL coaches would get more exposure. Oh God. <laughs> the coaching fraternity would just blow up. I know, wouldn't they? Oh, and the NHL PA would just blow up too, because not if they absorbed the the uh, uh, PHPA. Oh, that's true. If they became one entity, that they they might be okay with that because that's still everybody. They just got they just quadrupled their dues paying members. Mm-hmm. Bring in the ECHL. Well, there's your tier three. Mm-hmm. If you lose if you lose in the AHL, you get demoted to the ECHL. Mm-hmm. So unlike the Pope letter that the hockey got two years ago, we're actually getting a development pyramid like U.S. soccer has. Something that has proven to work as opposed to. Oh, we can't have that. We can't have something that's proven to work. This is the NHL. What what was it? The Declaration of Principles? Sure. What was that nonsense that came out two, two or three years ago? We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. The the Pope blessed the hockey. The hockeys. Okay. So central scouting essentially sets the draft order. Players select the ping pong balls to see where they go. Maybe there's some sort of, you know. U23 restriction on your main club. It's chaotic. I feel like there's room for like one or two more tweaks to really just, you know, start a tire fire. (laughs) Okay, how about this? Amateur scouts are no longer employed by NHL teams, but they're employed by the NHL. (laughs) so so essentially we're turning the nhl into a true franchise e yeah 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was sitting here thinking. It's not the worst idea in the world. <laughs> I mean, they they technically are called franchises. Uh huh. They are franchises. After all, you have to have permission to get an expansion team, right? And you have to pay. Yep. And you licensing. Have to, and you have to follow their rules. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And my God, they do love parody. And they and it yeah. even closer, even tighter. And they're in charge of the marketing and advertising now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So do you need me to come up with something else, or is that good enough for you? <laughs> I, 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 I... <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I think the grenade has fully gone off in that room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you can appreciate it. So even with that, that that's how you're. This is how you could uh, interject relegation, where the AHL and the NHL clubs are actually competing against each other, because you could then limit the staffs of certain teams. So there's got to be another place for all these old hockey men to go, and they go directly to other AHL teams instead of you know sitting in some boardroom in Edmonton, right? <laughs> Ottawa. <laughs> oh, that is so painful because the inside, you know, every this is a complete off the rails topic. On the on the new sweaters, like almost every team has something on the inside of the collar, um, a phrase or or some slogan or something. And Edmonton's is literally on their third, the blue ones. Once an oiler, always an oiler. And my joke is, yeah, because they never fire anyone; they just put you in a boardroom somewhere and you make decisions. <laughs> yep. Nepotism at its best. Oh. Or worst. Nepotism. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Nepotism, hockey, and loopholes. That's how the that's how the business works. But first they have to shoot themselves in the foot because that's that's how it gets it all started. You know, the worst part is, is they're so bad, they're aiming at their foot, and they're actually even missing. They can't even shoot themselves at the foot correctly. (laughs) That's the worst part. I'm sorry, I derailed the whole thing. The worst part about the Oilers is they're literally aiming the gun at their foot and missing. That's just... God, team blows my mind. (sighs) Okay. How they still have a fan base is beyond me. Uh, well, we'll see with those, you know, ticket renewals for, for next season. The 80s were a hell of a drug. Yeah, pretty much. And and landing, you know, Connor McDavid, another, it's just, you know, it's sort of like the dealer coming back around again with a with a free sample bag for you after you've gone through, you know, rehab. Hey, man, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, well, you know, I went to rehab. Oh, man, you know, that's really cool. Good to hear that. Hey, you got to try this new stuff. No, man, I'm good. No, no, bro, no. Come on, man. Come on, look at it. It's clean. You it, it you won't get addicted to it. I swear to God, man. Okay. You know, and three months later, hey, dude, 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 I need another hit. I need another hit. Oh. 
right. So that's, that's why they're getting the Ivan Ivan Holinka every other year now. Yep. Uh, yep. That makes sense. Yeah, they got to see what they're going to draft first overall. <laughs> <laughs> what they're reacquiring Taylor Hall? Oh, sure. What the hell? He'll oh be thirty. He'll be thirty-four. Perfect. I mean, that is the that is the logical step. Right. I mean, it's the Sam Gagne approach to getting what you needed five years after you needed it. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> team that's biggest tire fire and <laughs> ottawa's and ottawa is the springfield tire fire but edmonton is just going uh-huh yeah hold our keg yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mr clark yes. in in recent events how about them jerks they they just you know they take shit bounces and make stuff happen. It's it's kind of incredible. Yeah, it's it, it's been a wild ride. I think, at least for myself, the um, the anxiety and the agitation surrounding hockey is completely gone. Now you're just kind of riding the wave and just seeing how far you can get. Well, you're you're kind of playing with house money, right? At this point. You, you, are, you guys, yeah, you guys are as up a fan so base, far. As a fan base, definitely we are. Um, inside that locker room or dressing room or however you want to describe it, because it's not really a locker, it's a stall, but that's for another day. Jordan um, or Eric? <laughs> oh, Jordan. Lucky okay. terminology. Ah, homonyms. Uh, yeah, Jared was in there once too, but no oh, one God, talks about right. him. God, that's right. <laughs> And, and they had to let him wear number 13. So 11, 12, 13 could start yeah. two, two home games to end a year in April. That was the highlight of a season. <laughs> so enjoying what we're seeing now, you know, actually leading a series, you know, getting ahead in a game, so to speak, because uh, we're recording uh, the day after their uh, game one win against the Islanders of Brooklyn. Uh, it is still Long Island. Brooklyn is still on Long Island. Now, so it well, still now, counts. I, a friend of the podcast, Mr. Workrate, uh, Tom Edwards, would uh, agree to disagree with you as a uh, good Long Island boy himself. As a geographer. <laughs> I'm not one to disagree, but... Yeah, she is She is technically correct, and that is the best kind of correct. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, that's just a fight I want to stay out of between the <laughs> Islanders and Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, but I guess what's most amazing is seeing the amount of support from other markets just flooding down. Um, you know, we've had people between the game that they clinched and the last playoff run, I've seen people drive from, from Pennsylvania, fly in from Boston. Uh, drive up from upstate New York. Um, just uh, hell, the LA Kings Twitter account is throwing support, which is saying something because they usually just rag on teams. Well, uh, isn't isn't for there Justin a, Williams though? Well, there's that, but isn't there another reason? Don't they have like 
a, a Hurricanes draft pick or something that goes. Oh no! You know what? I'm. I'm. Never mind. <laughs> shut up! Shut up, Patrick! Shut up, Patrick! Yes, I was thinking of something else. Never mind. Now you know I was all for um, Carolina winning because one, I despise the Caps. Um, always have, but. <clears throat> You know, and also obviously chaos because they won the Stanley Cup last year and, and you guys won that or beat them so they wouldn't get it again. Um, I mean, I've always liked Carolina anyway, but, you know, it's it's a, it's the, the lovable thing. You can't help but like a team that is obviously enjoying itself, you know? Mm-hmm. The storm surge stuff. It's like you just can't help but, like, want – want them to like do well now cassie let me ask you mm-hmm. since they defeated the capitals yay are yes. the are they the unofficial southeast division champions this year yes yes they are since however tampa, tampa went out uh, unfortunately <laughs> winnipeg went out and florida just they hired coach q so <laughs> I don't know if you guys have like looked at looked and probably you haven't because I I I'm again geographer so I think of things differently sometimes. But if you look at teams that are still in it, the Islanders are the most northerly team left. <laughs> oh my God, she's right. I mean, wow. obviously she's a geographer, but holy crap! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm I'm I, I I'm trying to do the math quotes <laughs> in my head. And I know you're right, but I still can't believe that. So I mean, you know, it's like who who's left, right? So we've got I I could I could start pulling out latitude longitude for you if you really need me to, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> I guess you just need latitude. You wouldn't need longitude. Oh, no. Hang on. Hang on. Boston. Oh, right. That one team down the road. I was trying to ignore them. <laughs> Damn, I was sitting there. That, that, I, still, I kept going, no, wait a minute. Because I was, for yeah, for some inane reason, I was sitting there thinking, the way the Long Island is situated, does it cut right. across Boston? It cuts no, across no, Boston, Connecticut. No, Connecticut. I was higher. I was doing that same geolocating. <laughs> and actually, the way my mind works, I'm programming it in JavaScript using Google Maps, trying to figure it oh, out. God. <laughs> hey, Sorry man. for the tease. I didn't mean it. The day no, I, I can never just let the day job just go by the wayside. Oh, hello. What am I talking about? <laughs> my day job but uh well my first thought was after i brought up the bracket was wait columbus actually south of because <laughs> you get all kinds of quirky things i mean yeah tallahassee is west of detroit so there's all kinds of goofy things that De- people detroit's think just of. an anomaly Maybe. Oh, yeah thank you for qualifying that <laughs> no just geographic uh, when I when I lived there for six months, you know, I I lived two blocks away from the Detroit River. I stared into Windsor every morning as the sun came up, and it was still strange looking at a different country. 
We won't talk about Point Roberts right now because this is not a geography podcast. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? We can because Tortorella. Oh, there, yeah. He actually he bought a house. Did in he Point live Roberts. in Port Roberts? Yep. Uh... He bought a house in Port Roberts, and then basically drove into Vancouver. Yeah. Because so that, I... I love that. I love Port Roberts. It is such a nut. <laughs> Point Roberts is just insane. So I went to school in Bellingham, Washington. Went to Western Washington University, and uh, um, which is like an hour and a half south of Vancouver with the border, and. Um, so I worked up in Blaine for part of the time I was in college and you could look across the water and there was White Rock, which is British Columbia, yep. Canada. Yeah, right. um, <clears throat> but, but yeah, so Point Roberts is one of those, it's a, it's a nice little, if you don't know, Pat and our listeners may not know, it's a little point that has about, I don't know, about 3000 people live there. It's really not very big, but the only way to get to it by land is through Canada. It's, Washington State, <laughs> but you can't. So, so the the kids that live out there, the school kids, have to go through two international borders <laughs> to get to middle school. I think they have an elementary school out there. They do, uh, yeah. But but for middle school and high school, they have to go through two international borders to get to school because their school bus has to go that way. The funny one though is that if somebody gets arrested. It has to go to the county jail. They have to be extradited, extradited. Yep. through Canada to get to the county jail, even though they're still in the same county. Yep. <laughs> and it's a great thing because there is one road, one road in and out of Point Roberts. There's a road that long is along the border, but there was one road. Tyee Drive is the only road that you can get in and out of Point Roberts on. And obviously there's a border there. There's a border mm -hmm. crossing. But it's cool because, you know, you can wake up, roll out of bed, go over, you know, go across the border, get some Timmy's and come back up and be in America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there you go. And there's there's a bunch of that kind of stuff. And that, that's just the big one that we're, we're uh, Pat, Patrick and I grew up. But yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Tortor Tortorella bought a house there when he was coaching in Vancouver that one year. And um, amazingly enough, it's largely because there's still some pretty good sizes of land there and that's when he was doing his rescue dogs or still um, live, but mark messier was actually living in blaine when he played in uh vancouver oh that oh, happened yeah that's right yeah. well his vacation when he retired in vancouver Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, that, that's the story I'm told, at least. Yes, yes. When he retired, when he when he <laughs> signed in Vancouver to retire, he was living in Blaine. So, I'd run into a. Um, well, I wouldn't. I knew people would run into his sister every once in a while who was visiting. God. Instead, I was running into into Brett Hull's mom, and she was a piece of work. But I guess that's another story for another time. <laughs> So, um, I, you know, okay, I've been battling a middle ear infection for the last couple of days, and I had a question in my head, and all I heard was white noise going <laughs> from all the buildup in there. So now I completely forgot I was going to ask. Yeah, I had one or two, but I'm too busy staring at the Washington State map. Just, 
getting a frame of reference and <laughs> I I need to to add a few more days to my trip up to the great northwest in June. Good <laughs> plane or not playing to Point Roberts. Point well, Roberts. you know, it's we we won't get into the pig war. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We'll, we'll just gloss over the pig war for for you know you can discover that on your own. <laughs> that that has a very different connotation in this state. Let me tell you. Yeah, well, sure no, this is this is an international incident involving a pig, so in the San Juan Islands. But um, no, so let's go back to let's go back to how likable Carolina is. <laughs> well, again, speaking of pigs, how about the hurricanes and that bold pork? <laughs> oh yeah, Hamilton. We get to yes. talk about Hamilton the pig, who gets both death threats, just like you know opposing players do from time to time, and uh, he gets to go in the locker room post game, or <laughs> somewhere in the players' headquarters. So, <laughs> and got a trip to DC too for Game Seven. I saw. Oh yeah, and I believe. Uh, he may be there tomorrow in uh, Brooklyn. I'm not sure about that, but there was rumor that he would make that trip too. So, oh my goodness! I mean, just the more silly stories, the better. It's just oh, hilarious. Hell yes, hell yes. I mean, he's got his own little radio flyer wagon with his name plate on, with personalized plates. Oh. We should all live so large, you know. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> the, the sad thing is his his tailgating spot is unfortunately on the other side of the arena from where I frequent. So I I have not had a chance to meet him yet, and uh, I may have to try and rectify that this week in the court <laughs> of the Hamilton King. Yeah, no. Instead, we've had players' families come join us prior to games. Uh, uh, four and six of the cap series. So that, that was interesting. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just, you know, one of the benefits of not being in a downtown area is we have a parking lot. And, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, tailgating is what it is, but you know, the parking lots during a work day of, you know, something that was planned less than six days out. Um, I mean, there was four, five, six thousand people out by two p.m. in the afternoon, and then it just—I mean, people just start flooding in where lots are full by five o'clock, and uh, buildings packed nineteen thousand uh, ahead of time, and it was just crazy, and just the amount of support. Like, I mean, I'll do seriousness, like in the spectrum of Kane's Twitter, Kane's hockey, I'm just kind of a person who buys tickets, you know, but the amount of support that people are sending me, you know, not only family, but, you know, people that I've never met in person or, uh, it, it, or worked with or whatever, just outpouring of support. It, it's just crazy to me because like every every postseason someone you know my team hasn't been in it for so many years so i just pick a bandwagon to jump on usually it's a team that hasn't won so i guess from the outside looking in what what is the most fun thing that you guys have seen 
or watched or, or taken in just in the last, let's say, six days? Um, you know what? For me, I'm, I'm going to just completely iceberg the whole thing. Um, watching the 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 video packs of the fan reactions of game seven against Washington from from the ale from the Carolina ale house or from somebody's house or somebody's viewing party and you can you can see you know the the, the I don't want to say the long time suffering but you know a little bit of that Washington cup thing from last year, right? Where it was 40 something, it was 40 plus years of pent up frustration, just sort of exploding in euphoria, watching some of those video packs, people wearing the bunch of jerk shirts and, you know, all the variations of the jerk shirts and just blowing up at, at some of the watch parties and in their houses was, it was like, okay, this is why this is a this is why this sport is stupid and I love it. You know, this these people have been suffering for so flipping long, you know, for no fault of their own. They they chose to become fans of this team and and embrace it and suffered through some horrific ownership. And this is the payoff. It makes it almost a little bit sweeter. So the the storm surges and everything were an absolute blast just to watch them tweak, you know, the, the 200 hockey men trademark. Um, but from the other side of the country, just watching that whole explosion after that goal in game seven was the best, just the best. Yeah. I mean, I'm still speechless about it. Like, the fact that game one of the second round just ended and the Canes are actually up. I mean, I still go back to, I think, game three of the series. Kane shut out the Caps 5 nothing. It's yeah, going to go down. Up. It's going to go down as the game where Ovechkin hits Svechnikov and broke his nose. But just the amount of pure noise and the amount of time my ears were ringing the next two days and just the kind of camaraderie after the game where people were just hanging out just to kind of, they were still taking it in an hour after the game before they couldn't even drive in their cars. Yeah. I, and yeah, some of the packs of, uh, you know, even, even the home games, just you know, watching everybody congregate outside in the parking lot and just celebrating. Oh yeah, I mean that's yeah that that first home game felt like that was that ten year release for me personally. But then just seeing fans like I know in kind of our tailgating group, and now he's sitting up in our section in three twenty eight for the playoffs. A guy just decided to join on. He went to one game uh, last spring. Decided. Or, or heard about the tailgates um, that we throw on. I uh, came out to the first game of the season, got a small ticket package, and just seeing just new people jump on. I think one of the biggest things that we did was we took a picture of all the people who went to their first playoff game just in our small little niche. And, I mean, 
we had 250, 300 people show up at a, you know, postseason tailgate out of the 18 to 19,000 people that were there for the game. And we had a good 60, 70 people deep ready to take a picture. Not everyone jumped in, but we knew. And it was just, it was so cool to see their reactions to everything going on. Because I've been fortunate enough, I got to go see a playoff win. I was there during the 09 run. I experienced 06, although I wasn't in the state at the time. But I still enjoyed it from a fan point of view. But kind of seeing the excitement on other people's faces when it's their first time, it was just, it was just left me speechless. I love new fans. I really, it, the thing that annoys me so much is. One of the things that annoys me so much is when people sit there and say, oh, you know, this is a hockey town, you can tell kind of stuff. And it's like, no, actually the best people to be around are brand new fans who have never experienced the game. And they're like, you know, in the first round of playoffs and everybody's winning and it just the pure joy of like discovery and learning and, and being a part of that is just like, it's amazing. I love that. Um, but for me, like what, what I really liked, I liked, uh, um, what stood out for me was Brenda Moore's, um, after game seven speech <laughs> kicked in the ding ding. Yeah. <laughs> I can confirm we haven't seen a t-shirt yet, but there are it's some, coming. <laughs> it's gotta it's be coming. coming. <laughs> Um, and then the other the other thing, just because I'm I'm a I'm a spiteful wench, um, is uh, just the sheer joy I got from watching all of, I you know knowing the Hurricanes fans that I know, knowing the Caps fans that I know, and and the Caps fans just like totally just trashing on how awful the Hurricanes fans are. And and I was just like laughing with glee because I know that they're not that awful. <laughs> oh yeah, there were there was a lot of finger pointing online, and just kind of too much uh, you know tape measuring between fan bases nice. towards the as the series was getting closer after probably game game six, I think it got a little heated. <laughs> yeah, I mean you know every fan base has their like their jerks they're true jerks um but but you know it's just like the bitterness of caps fans and i like some caps fans don't get me wrong i just don't like their team (laughs) but but the bitterness was just like it brought me great joy because i have a cold black heart and that sort of thing makes me happy (laughs) just like when when tampa fell out you know (laughs) My cold black heart, like, you know, just make me happy. <laughs> We're just going to start calling you schadenfreude, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, God. So, there you go. But, um, I guess it's it's getting closer to that time. Are you guys ready for my question? Fire away. All right. This, this is a question that that is going to stop the show because it's one of those things that most people haven't thought about. So my question to you for ne- for the next episode is this: What is the value in tracking hits in a game? Dun, 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 dun. 
<laughs> how many how many hours can you guys book off for our next recording? <laughs> um, let's see here. <laughs> because I carry the one. Yeah, the uh, brain just flipped into coach's mode. Uh oh. And well, well, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. I, I and I mean this is a standalone stat. Okay. Just, just because that's what's tracked, right? You, if you look at hockey statistics, hits, checks, it's it's being tracked. But what value does it have? I mean, really, as a standalone statistic. <laughs> and cut. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. This has been the 3v3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody. <laughs>